0: I'm just a typical American boy from a typical American town. I believe in God and Senator Dodd and keeping an old Castro down.
1: Hello, and, man, and welcome to yet, to yet another sorry. episode of that the Lions Led that by Donkeys podcast. Real, oh, and as always, <laughs> someone perps into the mic to ruin my intro. This time it's Rich because I have Nick and Rich.
0: Sorry, that was such a weak one, guys.
1: Yeah, I, I expect better um, <laughs> professional burping into the mic. Nick and Rich sounds like a shitty country band, by the way. <laughs> that's because Big and Rich.
0: Yeah, that's just because it rhymes with Big and Rich and it is a shitty country band. <laughs> yeah.
1: You guys singing in farm emo together. Okay.
2: Country is awful.
1: That's, that's how we really are going to, our podcast is going to break into the mainstream is you guys starting a shitty country band. Or possibly uh, we fold this into a, a kind of evangelical church.
0: <laughs> um, cult or nothing? I'm not doing that fucking e- evangelical shit. It,
1: cult and we evangelical church property. is...
0: I mean, same thing, but I want to be no, 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 known as a cult.
1: Yeah, I when all of our adherents dress up in matching uniforms and drink them themselves... The, I don't know. Uh, would we go with the tracksuit? Tracksuit's been taken by Heaven's Gate. <sighs> yeah, you're right.
0: But they're so comfortable.
1: I know, and it, fit, and it fits our it brand. It totally does.
2: It yeah. does fit our brand.
1: We're, we're going to take the-, the, the Soviet the... general uniforms for everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> every, <laughs> no, thank every, you.
1: Everybody's a general. We can I officially t-
0: resign my position we can, in this cold.
1: <laughs> we can take the tracksuits back because I think there's were Nike. Ours can be Adidas because that's on brand. And everybody dies in a squat.
0: I like it. Yes.
1: Everybody squats in a circle. Drinking poison kvats. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. Or, or sunflower seeds. I'm not doing option. that
0: bullshit fucking flavor rate either.
1: No. I mean, if the Patreon is high enough, we can afford actual Kool-Aid, <laughs> but it's not looking good. Uh, So how have you guys been? It's been a while since we've all been on the show, same time. I know you've, uh, since you're both stationed on, on JBLM here in, in Washington State, you've had to struggle with the visit of the Sergeant Major of the Army. I won't ask either one of you to speak on that because it'll get you in trouble. Uh- <laughs> all I'm going to
0: say, Joe, is it's been a long week.
1: It's been a long week. I've had a great week. <laughs> spoken like a man who purposely got out of work. (laughs) He's shaking his head. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Now I brought both of you here today um, because I feel like as a group, we're all pretty, um, we have a pretty realistic uh, take on our, all of our services. Um, Like I don't feel shamed when I say I would dodge the Vietnam draft. I think I've said it before. I think uh, we both have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rich, I, have you? since you can actually be drafted now, would you have retroactively dodged the Vietnam draft?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I, I don't look, the only people that I look down on dodging the draft is people that did it by just using money because it's not creative. Like anybody could bribe a doctor to be like, you have anal cysts. It's what, I think that's what Rush Limbaugh did. Or maybe it was Bill O'Reilly. Uh, they, both look like, <laughs> they both look like sentient mashed potatoes. It's hard to tell them apart. <laughs> but like a lot of rich people just kind of, Bought their way out, yeah, or rode their way through college. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, uh, as a group, we have come to an agreement. I think a lot of our listeners would also agree. Like, yes, we would dodge that draft.
0: If if a certain somebody had fled to Canada and risked his life to dodge the draft, I would respect it more. I'm just saying. I mean,
1: running to Canada isn't risking your life. It's not like it's not like he's a Mexican fleeing across the Texas border and always gonna fucking shoot him. Yeah. I
0: mean I mean Fleeing but- to Canada
1: <laughs> is as easy as driving across the bridge and they're like, Welcome to Canada.
0: Like you said though, like it's just so uncreative to just like pay somebody to say you have, I don't know, maybe phone spurs.
1: That's pretty common. Uh we'll talk about that as well. I actually went into depth all the ways uh the that people decided to get out of this when they had money. Mm. Uh or if they're just really dedicated. Um so like what if you were my friend? Uh like as a favor. Um uh because like would you go to afghanistan for me no yeah well neither
0: do i get your paycheck in afghanistan
1: temporarily
0: hmm.
1: cuz i mean this is the day that like there was no direct deposit you're going to a pay officer I so y- there's no way that i could take your money but you're you're going to deploy under the name joseph kasabian you will get no benefits uh, the only thing I that don't want you, to be known as Armenian. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the real problem here. Yeah, I uh, feel like
0: I would stand out immediately as not Joseph Kasabian, but I might do it.
1: I mean, the army's dumb, as we'll find out, as we all already know. <laughs> We've been doing the show feel for like almost. Easy. You could totally uh, pass this. Well. <laughs> all you have to do is uh, uh ride e4 until they threaten to kick you out because you haven't made e5 yet. <laughs> I was there, and then get demoted. Because uh, that's pretty much my career in a nutshell. On the bright side, uh, you can pivot into writing really dumb books and uh, they'll do okay. <laughs> um, now, it's hard to tell like, would you do this for like a childhood friend? Like someone that you've, you've known for decades? Not it, at all. It's hard for me to like equate that because I don't have any childhood friends. Um, I've moved away from home when I, as soon as I could and I kind of hated everybody in my hometown. I don't have anybody that I keep in contact with that I knew since like elementary school. I think the only one that does is Rich.
0: Yes, I, I think I would.
1: You look like you had a pen pal.
0: I, well, actually. I she did. did she- I did have a pen pal. <laughs> um, he lives in New Zealand, and I still talk to him to this day.
1: Do you ever just like, hey, what's it like to have health care?
0: Yeah, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, he seems very happy, goes on vacations a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like I don't even know what the dude fucking does to be able to afford all the fucking international travel he does. But.
1: Uh, He breeds kiwi birds. It's <laughs> the only job option in New Zealand. It's, it's crippling the economy.
0: But yeah, I've known him since I was 13.
1: Also, uh, extra in Lord of the Rings.
0: <laughs> but this, no, I do have a very old childhood friend that I've known since I was three years old. And also, I would do it for my sister, too.
1: I mean, I think I would definitely want to do it to my brother. I'd wave goodbye to him as that motherfucker got sent to <laughs> Vietnam. Uh, yeah. I think the, like, the closest thing that I have to a childhood friend in Washington State is, is Nick. Obviously, we bonded. uh over the, the art of podcasting, we watch each other's dogs. I mean, that's that's a level of friendship. You can't um,
0: count him as a childhood friend. You met him when you were like twenty six. <laughs> uh, I've
1: aged a lot in in, a, in several years. Um, I mean, like, he was
0: a child. I think all of like. I mean, 20. technically,
1: I, th- I think I met him at most people's answer to that question would be no. Most people are not even their childhood friends. They're not going to be like, yes, I will go risk my life for my childhood friend. Which brings us to what has to be one of the weirdest stories of the Vietnam War, and it has a guy named Paul Mahar, Mahar, Mahar. It could be Mahar. I'm going with Mahar. I like Mahar. Uh, so Paul Mahar and his close friend Frank Close or Klaus. I think it's Close. <laughs> um,
2: Good thing they're close.
1: We're born and raised on the same street, uh, Peck Avenue, uh, a road in a decent part of town in North Newark, New Jersey, as decent as New Jersey can get.
2: Newark. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is the fucking 50s, whatever. Yeah, I mean, right. it's still Jersey, though.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, the two men were inseparable by all the counts and did absolutely everything together, uh, though apparently they were both little shitheads, as most teenage boys are. <laughs> uh, because one day they were both uh, 13. Uh, Close picked a fight with a larger boy, uh, but couldn't pack up uh, back up his shit talking. That was when Mahara stepped up and beat the fucker's ass for him. Mm. Uh, now... Close paid him back by buying him a sandwich, which is the price of, awesome. a, of a good violence. Yeah. Um, what kind of sandwich? It doesn't say. It's New Jersey, so I'm assuming it's sewage. Oh. Just between two flaps of human skin. Gross. I don't understand New Jersey. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know you go south until you smell it from New York. <laughs>
0: For any, for any New Jersey listeners navigate. out there. Now, that's not. <laughs> with our
1: noses. I'm
0: sorry for Joe's
1: racism. New Jersey's not a race. <laughs> and if it is, yeah.
0: Okay, fine. What, what, what do you call it when you're, it's against a whole state?
1: When it's against New Jersey, it's called rational. <laughs> I have nothing against the, the, the land mass of New Jersey. It's the people that are. The, no, I'm I kidding. think I saw
2: blueprints for a camp that you were talking about for New Jersey people. Uh.
1: It, it's an internment camp First uh, of all Sorry Thankfully living up In the Pacific Northwest We have tons of vacant ones It's true Yeah uh, Now uh, I don't mean anything That I say about New Jersey I have I have a friend From I, New Jersey I, I, honestly I have don't... a New Jerseyan friend
0: I know I a can't guy possibly... From New yeah, yeah. I've met somebody From there
1: I hope people know That we joke on this show <laughs> yeah, I, That's my thing That I We have fun <laughs> This is a family show Alright uh, You know I normally shit on Ohio I gotta spread it out a bit
0: I mean, it's it's genetically bred into you as a Michigander to shit on Ohio. Though. It's true. That's that's where the
1: joke is. You go south and please smell it. You smell it. Oh. You, you smell it. it I it. never heard that. To be honest with you,
0: it's because you're not from Michigan. It's
1: because you're from California. If you go <laughs> south, you're just in the ocean.
2: In Mexico. I'm in Mexico. I mean, that'd be
1: yeah. like that's like southeast. You have ranch in your veins. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> it's fair. You, know, you say what you want about Michiganders, but at least we invaded Ohio. It's true. So there uh now the problem was is after uh mahar beat up that guy for close um he just like kind of wouldn't let it go close was uh strutting around acting like a badass even though his friend had handled his lightweight for him we all know a frank or right? like it's the guy who's like if there's a bar fight and everybody jumps in He's the one on the top of the pile, not doing anything. But then afterwards, like, yeah, we beat that guy's ass. Oh, did we? <laughs> did we, Frank? Uh, eventually, uh, Mahar got sick of him, and the two got in a fight. Um, we're not entirely sure what happened. And it's also kind of weird that Mahar was the stronger of the two because he's the one that ended up breaking his arm and requiring plates to put his arm back together. Thankfully, that's never happened to anybody that we know. <laughs> I don't have plates. <laughs> You have screws. Screws and wires. <laughs> See, he had plates and screws. I I feel like wires might be an evolution of this technology. Yeah. I don't know. I feel just like maybe they don't use just...
3: plates as much
1: anymore. I know this is like the the 50s I think so they may have just used dinner plates. I'm not very <laughs> sure. Uh now the the next couple of years the two friends parted ways uh mostly because their uh families took jobs in other places. And uh, they had to bring their families with them. Uh, they managed to keep in contact, but since this is the late 50s and early 60s, I assume this means that they use messenger pigeons or some shit. <laughs> I've heard of this thing called writing letters. Uh, I'm skeptical of what that means. I believe it is some kind of email with extra steps.
0: Did you not write letters like when you were in basic training and stuff?
1: Yes, Rich. That is called a joke.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: I didn't write any letters. Really? Are you allowed to have your cell phone? You shouldn't write any letters to anybody? No. (laughs) Who was I going to write? My family? I mean, maybe.
0: Exactly. Those What were they going to say?
1: You had to have written letters to someone that you went to high school with, so when you went back to California, someone would have sex with you. That's how being in the military works. (laughs) I wrote no letters because I wanted to sleep.
0: Um, I wrote letters to my mother, you heathen.
1: Look, I'm not here to judge how you Texans get it on down there. (laughs) All right? Um... Now, Mahar in school never really got along too well. Um, He was failing pretty fast, and he was probably gonna get kicked out soon. Uh, According to an article in People called "The Unknown Soldier," uh, this is because Mahar kept getting into fist fights and drinking uh, rather than studying. Which, like, I can respect that. I mean, that that's gonna become a trend, but like, I can respect that. Um, Now, seeing how he had no future in school, he dropped out and decided to look for work. Unfortunately for Mahar, he kind of sucked at that, too, and didn't have any skills. Uh, he, he grew up in the suburbs. Uh, his dad wasn't like a craftsman of any kind to teach him a skill. I know all about that. Um, and because he didn't graduate, he doesn't even have a degree. So he, he did what we all sitting in this room did. We said, And he said, I guess I got to enlist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, at the time, the, the enlistments' uh, standards were quite a bit lower. Um, as we all know vividly from our Project 100,000 episode. Um, now, it wasn't quite Project 100,000 yet, but you didn't need a, a, a high school diploma by any means. You, right. At this point, you needed to pass a rudimentary exam, kind of, and you had to be literate. Like there, there were not high standards at the time.
0: Back then, a lot of people just didn't get diplomas, right? Like a lot of people, like just pulled out of school to like work their farms and stuff, didn't they?
1: Not in suburban New Jersey.
0: I no. mean, I mean, but like just in general, the army standards are across the country.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know so much about that. I know it's super common in rural areas, but I mean, uh, the Americans have graduated from high school at a higher rate um, than you know anywhere else. For the most part, It's started dropping recently, but um, graduation rates have always been pretty high, 90 percentile type shit. Um, now, the army stands were a little bit lower then, um, but he figured, you know, fuck it, they'll take me. Uh, it turns out not even though it, was ni- it turns out it's 1966 and hundreds of thousands of Americans have already deployed to Vietnam and the draft was kicking in 6,000 Americans uh, 6,000 Americans had already died in Vietnam with another 30,000 wounded and this is pretty un- early on in the war And it should be noted like while it is early um, that is still higher than like any casualty numbers that we would be familiar with um, through decades of war so like this should have been like holy shit numbers I don't know I wasn't alive in the 60s. Um, but it turns out that Mahar, even in this circumstance, was not fit to be a soldier in the U.S. Army. The problem, as some of you may have picked up on, was that pin and plate in his arm. Um, now, if you break that shit while you're in the military, they're fine and dandy with that; they'll slap you back together. But they're not going to enlist you when you already have problems. <laughs> it's like buying a used car; like it's got to pass a certain level of things, you know. Um, and it also—I uh, mean. To his luck, it also made it exempt from the draft. So, like, oh, you know, sweet so with the hour, yeah, yeah, I would be like, you know what? I'll take this as a victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, unfortunately, Mahar is pretty pissed because that was his fallback plan. He's like, you know what? I fuck up. I can't get a job. And I'm drifting around doing whatever. I can always enlist. But that was taken away from him. Actually, I know a few people that happened to. Um, and it was because one of them actually failed the ASVAB. Failed it. like, fail it? Fail it, fail it. Like, come back and try again. Not like there's always, I don't know, laundry technician or whatever, like that didn't even. Nope. Come well, you back.
0: said in the Project One Hundred episode that there's like tears, and then there's like yeah. the one where you can be wavered in, and the one where it's like actually no, sorry.
1: Yeah, and you know, in for a comparison, uh, in case anybody didn't listen to that episode, I'm not going to go into the tears, but. Um, uh, we did not nearly dive down to the level, uh, uh, in during like the peak of the surges for waivers. Um, and it still made the news because the waivers that we were granting, some of them were medical, but most of them were cosmetic. Um, like you could have tattoos on your neck and hands. Um, and they started waving, um, high school graduates. Um, you could have a GED. Uh, we did not waive the, the developmentally disabled, <laughs> We were two whole tiers away from that. And people are still like, my God, the army is being diluted. It was, just in a different way. Um, now, uh, Mahara had to bounce around and find jobs, which required him to travel quite a bit. Um, I'm assuming he tried to get temp gigs writing and maybe create a podcast like some of us. Uh, that podcast would be really weird. Yeah, I don't even know how, much that, how that would work. He's just going to talk about getting drunk and fighting. In the alleyway to yeah. nobody. This is actually how you could get elected governor here. <laughs> uh, now, while Mahar was trying to uh, get busy and nail down work, his friend Close had been drafted. Uh, he had been drafted in 1966, immediately after his wedding, oh. uh, which is either really good luck or really shitty luck, depending on how you feel about the commitment of marriage.
0: Can they give him, like, a honeymoon year? Jesus.
1: Now, uh, this is because this actually used to be disqualifying. Uh, he ended up getting married when they waived that. <laughs> now a way around that Is if they had a kid uh, If you were married with a kid They would move on You'd get a deferment And there was a married deferment Like a marriage deferment And a lot of people Were getting married in groups uh, Just to dodge the draft And then they were just like I think it was like 1964 or 5 Like yeah that's gone now Like shit I have to go to college <laughs> Like well, you're saying I have to fuck this person So we can have a kid I'm, I'm fuck it, I'm going to Vietnam Uh, Klaus uh, Klaus attended and graduated basic training at Fort Dix and went to the infantry school at Fort Polk so he's cursed twice Um, (laughs) or three times now since he got fucking drafted hat trick Uh, and uh, at the end of September of that same year he showed right back up to his old friend Paul Mahars front door in his dress uniform Close was, according to Mahar, paralyzed with fear, breaking down with tears uh, and, and just saying over and over again, I can't possibly go to Vietnam. I can't go to Vietnam. Uh, I feel like I know
2: where you're going with this.
1: <laughs> uh, he had just received orders. Now, Close told him, I just got orders to Vietnam. But he had actually gotten orders to Vietnam several weeks before. Uh, and he, he said that there was just no way he could leave his wife and go. Uh, now, Mahara was between jobs and living in a rundown boarding house at the time. Um, and now, remind, remember, his friend had a job that he wanted and could not get. And now he's like, I need help getting out of it. I, I would probably not be very happy at the time. Um, now, it's one of those moments in, the, in your life where you're like, you look around at the things around you and you're like, what did I do to end up here? <laughs> <laughs> like... I, I would totally take this job, but instead I'm unemployed and living in what was uh, uh, optimistically called a flop house. So it's like, not good. Um, Maybe they could turn that O into an I and flip it. It's a flip house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think drunks call that a moment of clarity. Uh, now, the thing that you remember how I said he had gotten orders several weeks before, it's because he was AWOL uh, already. Yeah. Um, And he decided to uh, tell Mahar that after they had been talking for several hours. Um, Yeah. His leave had to run out a couple days before, and he just went to his buddy's house. And I remember he's married. So he's like, uh, and he told his wife at the time. Now, his wife is in on this for the most part, um, telling him that he should probably go AWOL. And it was her idea to just go to Canada. He didn't want to do that. Um, now, the problem was, this is pretty much the worst way to get out of going to Vietnam. He had already been drafted, and they tended to care about getting him back. It's a crime to desert. And, I mean, it is a crime to dodge a draft, too, if you're dumb and just burn your draft card. Like, there's ways around it. And I'm not saying people who resisted the draft by burning their draft card is dumb. They just went about the worst way possible and faced you know prison sentences for it. There's, there's so many different ways to get around it without going to prison. Going to prison... To dodge the draft is just purely a, a political stance, which I have respect for, but also just go to Canada. <laughs> um, now, dodging the draft from the beginning was the smart way to go. There was an obvious route to Canada, the upwards, uh, and it, it, this is actually like the lower limit that 30,000 American men took. Some people say this high is 100,000. Jesus. Yeah. Which wow. Like specs, the Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this ended up being something of a wash because around the same number of Canadians moved south so they could fight in Vietnam. Really? Yep. Like 150 of them died. One of them got the Medal of Honor. But Why? War tourism. It's the same reason why when World War I started and the U.S. kept oh, its ass yeah. out of it, yeah. tens of thousands of Americans went north and fought for Canada. Just kind of what bored white people do. Because
0: <laughs> war is Fun? No, that's not right. War is hell. That's the saying.
1: Uh, yeah. War is considered a badge of fucking manly honor and ma- and masculism and you know adventurism and all that other bullshit. And, and right. remember this. Remember this is the war that destroys all those ideas. <laughs> like this is this generation's World War One. Like they met, they're marching off to fight communists, and while everybody is kind of not sure where Vietnam is on a map. Um, they know they're gonna go do their duty just like their dad did and, every, and like it's the right thing to do. Just like in World War I, everybody thought war was romantic and, and gentlemanly. Mm-hmm. And then they choked on their own lung fluid and that died pretty quickly. Just like in this part of the war, draft dodging isn't that high or draft resisting or desertion, whatever you want to call it, um, isn't that high. But by the end of the war, just so fucking many people were deserting and and evading and resisting in various different ways. So like, it hasn't, even though upwards of six thousand people are dead already. That's it doesn't really register with people quite yet. They haven't been, uh, their brain hasn't been broken yet. Not to mention, you know, after we've been at war for with Vietnam or in Vietnam uh, for a couple years, at that point, that's when tens of thousands of people are coming home wounded. They're like, dude, this shit sucks. So, Do not go.
0: So I guess, I guess maybe like if you think you're going for. The right reasons or valiant reasons, and you think you're going to win, maybe then it's glamorous. Well, why wouldn't we
1: win? We're fighting a whole bunch of rice farmers. They're wearing right. flip flops. And then,
0: but then once they realize that the war is completely fucking off kilter and everything you thought about was wrong, it's like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, oh. by the way, people in black pajamas and flip flops now have a winning record against the United States military. So <laughs> true. I mean, they're like two zero right now. Well, 3-0 you know, if you kind of are.
0: Seriously uncomfortable uniforms.
1: You know, um, for. A country like the United States, the Western world in general, who likes to go to war about things over over like political ideology in Vietnam or South Korea or virtually any other war that we fought, uh, you'd think that we'd be good at it, but we have a worse record than the Detroit Lions. Like (laughs) We should stop. Uh, It's like the guy at the bar who just burns out every single time and women are giving him fake numbers. The next one's the one. We're going to turn this motherfucker around. This dry spells you <laughs> end. Oh,
0: nope. oh, I got it. <laughs> it. hasn't happened
1: yet. <laughs> I got it. Hey. No,
0: America is the drunk guy at the bar that gets in fights so that they can feel something.
1: No, the drunk guy at the bar who's getting in fights because they could feel something was already an American at war. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, there's a lot of problems that came with going to Canada. Distance, for one. Um, you know, if you live in Texas, it's going to be a bitch to get up to Canada. Uh, also maybe you disliked hockey. I don't know. Now the, the people fell into largely two groups. That was the evaders, people who had not yet been uh brought to a draft board yet, and the deserters, people who have been drafted and get the fuck out as soon as they have the chance. Uh, most evaders were middle class college students who had run out of money or time on college deferments, uh, and they could not continue to dodge the draft by staying in school. Um, most of the deserters were lower class, uneducated, and were drafted straight out of high school. Weird how that now originally the canadians hadn't been too cool with this uh now uh, with the it it didn't look good uh to be an ally but also like actively hurt the american war effort by accepting tens and tens of thousands of draft dodgers uh so at first they forced you to bring uh, a copy of your discharge paperwork showing that you had you know maybe you were draft ineligible or you had already served you were dodging anything, like no look. I'm good. I'm just going to Canada. I don't know. So those are, obviously those start getting forged because it's. I mean, it's the 60s. They're not just going to pull up a computer and double check yeah. this shit. <laughs> uh, but that uh, they came around in 1968. Uh, also, it kind of helped that desertion was not a crime in Canada. So, and it did not cover uh, that particular crime under the UCMJ was not like a federal statute or anything. So it didn't like Canada wouldn't. Um, Extradite you for it. it. It was a law that effectively did not exist in Canada. So awesome. they're like, yeah, you're good. Come on through. Also, it really helped that the first people going over there were people running away from college and they're well educated and vastly white and middle class. It only helped Canada. <laughs> so they're like, sure, we'll take this brain drain. Whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that was two years too late for everybody close. So let's take some of the ways that he could have used um, to get out of the draft. There was the caffeine trick. This is my personal favorite. Of course, some dedication, though. Not as much dedication, but it's one that I could pull off because it only cost a couple bucks. (laughs) Now, this one is pretty cut and dry. You ate or drank as much caffeine as you possibly could and stayed awake for as long as you could before you went to the draft board to get your physical. Uh, So, I was almost assured at that point, if you had stayed awake for 48 hours or so, that your medical would be completely fucked. You'd have high blood pressure. You'd Probably not pass your psych evaluation. Solid choice.
0: Can you imagine how much better that would be now when we have like bangs and pre-workout and shit?
1: Yeah, I would just like boof a bang and then just walk up in there like two days later.
0: Or the thirty-two ounce monster?
1: I drank two of those one day on a on a dare. I puked.
0: Yeah, I bet you wouldn't have <laughs> fucking gotten into the Vietnam draft. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't like my. Ads. I
2: wonder what they did like to stay up. There's no games to play. <laughs>
0: Can't can't play Can, games on your phone or Call of Duty or something. Yeah, some get
1: shit. ripped on caffeine pills and read a book. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that'll put me to sleep. <laughs> I, I, I there was also some stories where people did it a lot easier and they just took acid before they went in there, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> which like, man, I don't know. But I'm at this table with a whole bunch of dragons and shit. Like, <laughs> these no, just sound the like so banana. much fun. And <laughs> <laughs> there was another one that you might be able to pull off: contact lenses. Now, I'm wearing contact lenses right now. They are soft and. I mean, you are supposed to take them out every day and replace them every couple months, but they're relatively comfortable unless you fuck up and are wearing an old pair like I am right now. Uh, Back then, they are made out of hard plastic, and they were pretty solid. You only could leave them in for a couple hours, and then they started becoming pretty painful. So uh, someone devised a plan that, what if I just left them in for like two days? They like fused to his eyes or something. No, no, that that really doesn't happen even today, unless you leave them in for an obscene amount of time, like weeks and weeks or months and months. Um, so when he took them out and went in, he would he was pretty much blind uh, and failed the eye exam, draft ineligible.
0: As somebody who couldn't wear contact lenses because I am terrified of touching my eyes, that sounds fucking horrifying.
1: Now I've left my contacts in for a day or two at a time. Um, it's not comfortable, but I could see this must have sucked. This must have really sucked. And then, uh, uh, what's the feeling? Uh, like sand in your eyes.
2: That, that's not. Com- oh no, not okay.
1: it's not, not good. Okay. No, not. I'm going Or maybe like when you got a hair in your eye, but just all. Oh, over, that's but, but just all over. Oh, that oh. sucks. <laughs> now there's another one uh, where someone just decided to chug straight corn syrup, which would cause his blood pressure or his uh, blood sugar to spike. So when they when they took his blood sugar, he'd be diabetic. Nice. Yeah, nice. that one's pretty easy. No, that's cut and dry because I feel like I could chug corn syrup and my blood sugar would not be that high. Now this is like pure undiluted corn syrup.
0: I feel like you could like make that taste better or like more enjoyable.
1: Uh, you're drinking like industrial fucking food supplies. Just make it know.
0: into brownies and eat the whole thing of brownies.
1: I mean, you could also eat your shit. That'd probably get you out of Vietnam too. Ew.
0: <laughs> oh, brownies sound so much better than that joke. Put
1: some put some acid in those brownies, <laughs> and we'll talk. Um, oh, yeah. A, a lot of people just showed up high, um, and that didn't really work that great, because if you were obviously stoned, they'd be like, whatever, come back in a week. Like, this isn't going to work.
2: We'll get stoned for the whole war.
1: Yeah. Eventually, you'll run out of money. you have to come to this motherfucker sober. Uh now, uh now I need a list to buy more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we need the government paycheck so we can buy more weed.
0: Yeah. Another way that rich people have the advantage. Yep.
1: Uh, going further down that route, the fake insanity route, we're gonna call what uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what I call the Ted Nugent method. Uh, according to shitty musician, racist, and most likely a pedophile Ted Nugent, he smoked a bunch of meth and shit his pants <laughs> days beforehand, and then did not wash himself. Ooh. Yeah. He nice. he described it as being really caked on there. What a patriot! Ugh. Yeah, then he now of course yeah <laughs> makes his living being a fucking Warmongering piece of shit uh, and racist. Uh, now, since then, he, he told this story multiple times over the years. I think it started in a High Times article, which is pretty on brand for him at the time. Um, and he's revised it. He, he, he also had a backup plan to make his, his uh, physical go terribly if for some reason they could see through the fact that he just shit on himself. Uh, is that he lived on nothing but Vienna sausages and Pepsi for like two weeks, which would fuck up your blood, uh, oh. your blood pressure because Vienna sausages are like 99% salt.
2: And they're disgusting. Yeah, they
1: are disgusting. Um, My
2: brother used to drink the Vienna sausage juice when he was younger.
1: I think it's just salt water. He liked it.
0: Mm. I fed Vienna sausages to the puppies in Afghanistan.
1: (laughs) I also dislike Afghanistan puppies. (laughs) I'm kidding. I love them. And that was animal abuse. Uh, uh, Now, there's a good bet that this is Ted Nugent we're talking about in the 60s. So that may have just been how he lived. For Um, sure. But he has attempted to say, no, I was just kidding. But his draft deferment, which are public, like you can FOIA this shit, is a mental deferment. So, like, he did something to fuck them up. <laughs> um, and then there's Chevy Chase, you know, the uh, the com- well known comedian, uh, and yeah. he's a pretty well known dickhead these days. Yeah. He got it by just telling me he was gay, which was what you could do at the time. Right. right. Now, so many people started doing this, that they just stopped believing people. <laughs>
0: uh, I need to see you fucking.
1: Yeah. yeah, like there was numerous uh, uh, tales of like people going to the draft were like, yep, I'm gay. And someone's like, well, suck my dick. He's like, nope. <laughs> I mean, until they found the one guy that would. I would. I, I'd suck a dick to go to Vietnam. I'm sorry, but hold this, on. This is a million dollar question. Like, would you suck a dick for a million dollars? Every soldier's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, like, it's a million bucks, uh, I man. It wouldn't even have to be a million. <laughs> yeah. Like, 50 grand. Yeah. yeah. Oh fuck
0: yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you've all had worse things in your mouth. Yeah,
1: Would definitely. you have to let him finish. I've had humid shit in my mouth, so yeah. <laughs> no. Would you have to I've to got him... dysentery. That's how you get dysentery. <laughs> Would you let him finish? Like do you have to finish the dude off or like uh, that, that that's all contract negotiations yeah. we'll have to two, talk about two later. Two completion. Two completion. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude.
0: Otherwise otherwise you're just not gay. Two
1: minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> they start a timer. Yeah. If, if you're not
2: good at it, then you're
1: faking. <laughs> yeah. God damn it the pressure's on (laughs) now before we laugh too hard at this and we already have uh this is the military in the 1960s only a couple years ago was being gay in the military okay so way to go u.s military uh now you could apply for a conscientious objector status Uh, at the time your co status had to be directly linked to a religious institution or a traditional belief um that is pretty restricting because you had to like bring character witnesses to prove like, no, I'm really religious, and like priests generally won't lie for you, which is a huge downer. Uh, cause they will rape you, but they won't lie to the government right? for you. <laughs> um
2: They'll tell me God's inside me.
1: That is, unless if you're a Mormon. Uh the Mormon church uh got into deep shit because it was declared just about everybody in it a missionary, getting them out of the draft, which solid fucking choice, Mormons.
0: But aren't they all?
1: Uh, you don't have to, from my understanding. Like, you it, it's encouraged that you volunteer for a time as a missionary. Like, there's people like come to your house and talk to you about yeah. they want to talk to you about mow your lawn and then yeah.
0: yeah, like ask you if you want them to like take out your trash and stuff. No, thank you, dude. Just yeah, it's weird. Don't don't do that. <laughs> uh,
1: and it ended, ended up getting in shit because the 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 Department of Defense like. You guys do not have this many missionaries. Uh, and they're like, fine, fine. And they capped it. Uh, it, was a, it was a yearly cap on how many missionaries. Nobody they wants have. to be Mormon. Yeah, like weird. Since we capped it, nobody wants to be Mormon anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, one famous person who used this to get out of the draft was Mitt Romney, failed uh, presidential candidate. Uh, it also nice. probably didn't help that his dad was the governor of Michigan at the time. So uh, he had two things going for him. <laughs> Uh, another person who used the CO route to get out of the draft was Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, now, he did not get his CEO status because he openly admit when questioned, nope, I'm not religious, which, like, <laughs> respect for that line. Like, he... he what fi- the fuck? Did
0: you forget what you came here to do, bro? Like, he
1: filed his <laughs> conscientious objector ask like, hoping he'd slip through the cracks, and, like, he got brought in and asked, like, so what? Sure, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not religious. <laughs> Yeah. He cracked, I can't under
2: the, lie. Yeah, cracked under the pressure.
1: Uh, so his status got rejected. Uh, but he was smart enough to immediately appeal it and continue to appeal it and then launch an investigation on the appeal long enough where he was over the age of 26 and could no longer be drafted. <laughs> now, that's not because he was rich. He was dirt fucking poor and literally living in a wooden shack at the time. He just managed to finagle the system.
0: Just fucking resourceful. I like it. Yeah, he
1: lived in a wooden shack without a floor. <laughs> Still smart enough to outsmart the draft board nice. uh, So like solid choice if you're not Mormon And there's or, no need to vacuum or broom or Like, Yeah you could just be vacuuming for all eternity No need yeah. to
0: vacuum or broom yeah.
1: No need to sweep Spoken like a man who's broomed a few floors in his day Not a lot uh, Now having connections or money As you can imagine was your best bet? Uh, enlisting in the National Guard was a good way to get out of Vietnam service because the guards and the guards ranks were always swelled to bursting for this exact reason. Now, the National Guard did deploy to Vietnam, but a much, much fewer numbers, like 15 or 20,000 total. So like you had a good fucking chance. Um, that was unless you had daddy's money to help you out and secure a spot like Who's sh- money. Daddy's money. Daddy. <laughs> That is, uh, that's how George W. Bush got Vietnam draft. He got into the Texas Air National Guard, and never bothered to show up. Uh, (laughs) Now he did, like he. I think he learned how to like fly badly, but like (laughs) records show he kind of like only showed up half the time, which I could respect that (laughs) for, like being a rich piece of shit war criminal. You gotta give it to him. I don't know. Like the one cool thing that George Bush did other than do a whole bunch of coke. Uh, or you could use a money to bribe your local doctor and giving you a bullshit medical diagnosis, which preclude you from the draft. Like our current president, Donald Donald J. Trump almost certainly did, um, with his now famous bone spurs, uh, because he ran out of educational deferments for five deferments total. There's a pretty, pretty small club of people that went like five fold deferments. The other one is Dick Cheney.
2: (laughs) That dude's old
1: as shit. Dick Cheney has existed before the United States, and he will exist after the United States. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He is Cthulhu, but what? On
2: on his eighth heart.
1: Yeah. Uh, At this point, he's like Henry Kissinger. As more people in the Middle East die, his life just gets extended. Uh, So another person who almost certainly lied about their medical condition is former Vice President Joe Biden, who was struck down with a mysterious case of asthma despite being a high school... uh, star athlete at the same time. <laughs> Nor has he ever spoken about his cursed asthma ever since. Weird. Damn that asthma. Yeah. will get you. So unfortunately, Klaus didn't have any of those things and his ass got drafted like a total fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a moron. <laughs> fucking loser. <laughs>
1: uh, now, Hart and Close had a, a bit of a falling out over the years. So I, I bring that up um, uh, because a lot of what we know about Close comes from Mahar close has not said shit about this entire thing on record so you can kind of assume that Mahar is a bit of an uh, unreliable narrator in his own life story uh and he has a short biography known, uh, called scattered shots which I cannot find a, uh, a copy of only excerpts so uh it, in that book he makes Klaus uh close seem like a really big needy baby like always needing somebody else to bail him out of a situation that he found himself in, which seems on brand so far so much so that like he said, quote, it was Frank's way. It was the nature of our friendship, which doesn't sound like a good dynamic. (laughs) Uh, Like Frank was the guy who went to a party without bringing anything and then drank everybody else's beer. (laughs) The guy that
2: shows up to the smoke pit and always bumps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you guys get
1: a cigarette? Man, God damn it. Uh, (laughs) The two sat down to try to figure out a way out of this um, uh, and, and to get close out of the war. And that's when they eventually worked out a plan. A kind of really, really dumb plan that you expect a couple 18-year-olds to figure out.
2: He didn't want to take any hunk spunk, so... Hmm.
1: Like, have you tried doing meth and shitting yourself? Mm. Have you tried being rich? Fuck, that didn't work either. <laughs> uh, Mahara would replace Close in uniform. Nobody in the unit, Close was going to, had any idea what he looked like, so that would hardly be a problem. And they could can, like, Twitter suck him or whatever. Uh, they could forge Close's records because somehow back, back then, his 201 file, which was the personnel file back then, I don't know what it's called now, uh, the information like his height, his weight, his eye color, all that stuff was filled in with pencil. That's
2: they awesome. They could just change Holy it. Shit, Holy that's shit. That's awesome. <laughs> uh,
1: and since his uniforms wouldn't have fit, Mahara would just say he lost them or got them stolen and could issue new ones. Here's the important part. The plan was not for mahar to go anywhere in the army like he wasn't just going to replace him he's like well i want your job i'll take your job um he was just gonna uh go to or impersonate his friend for a few days and then go to sit call once at sit call he's gonna be like look they missed the fucking plate in my arm i can't go to vietnam because that that, the, that plan. It is exactly the dumb plan that you expect an 18 year old to come nice. up with <laughs> um now, this would end up with Close getting a medical discharge and avoiding Vietnam. And uh, having a honeymoon. And, yeah, maybe going on a honeymoon. I'm assuming he 101 on one, he's been AWOL now, but uh, maybe not. He's a bit stressed out. Uh, and then Mahar would go home. He assumed the whole plan would take like a week or two. In-, in Mahar's words, quote, Vietnam was not a possibility. Instead, what happened was Mahar showed up to Fort Dix and was immediately arrested by the MPs because he was fucking AWOL. Right. Uh, he was thrown into it. Instead of being thrown into jail, he was thrown into a disciplinary barracks with other soldiers who had been shitheads. They'd been stealing things, doing drugs, going AWOL, whatever. Here's one of the biggest problems with Mahar and Close's plan. They assumed the military would act rationally.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Beginner's mistake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got him. Yeah,
1: and that they would show up, prove that he could no longer be a soldier, that being Mahar with his plated-up arm, and the army just be like, oh, cool. okay. Then you're not a soldier anymore. Instead, the army uh, acted exactly as we all know it would after years of service and almost two years of doing this show. (laughs) Now, as we talked before about, uh, like, during our uh, Project 100,000 episode, the army was kind of having a hard time finding enough bodies to go get killed in Vietnam. So once somebody passed through the draft and went through training and graduated, like Mahar hypothetically would have... Uh, and uh, if he was anybody else in those barracks, the chances of, you, of of you actually getting discharged without going to Vietnam, without like blowing your fucking toe off or something, was pretty goddamn slim. All right. And I actually, know a guy who did something like that. My old stepdad, who proudly talked about it. Uh, he actually got drafted, and his he, he got picked to be a helicopter door gunner, which is a really fucking bad job to have. And all of his instructors... Now, at, at first, he said, when he started like, getting drafted, he said he, he kind of wanted to go to Vietnam. Uh, and then he went to the Gunner School, and all of his instructors had been wounded. And they talked about all their friends who had died. So he's like, well, fuck, I want to go to Vietnam. Uh, so he crushed his foot with a slab of concrete, which permanently crippled him. But you know what? He got his discharge and didn't go to Vietnam. Uh, yeah, this pin-in-the-arm shit, was not going to work. And the other problem was he never got an x-ray. He never even got a chance to speak to a medic. Uh, instead of coming up with this plan before he went AWOL and maybe having some wiggle room, like going on leave and then switching, uh, and then like going back on schedule and then just being another soldier that someone might listen to and like, yeah, sure, go to the doctor. He had broke the law. They weren't listening to him. He'd already proven that he'd fucking run off if they let him go anywhere. So they had him locked in the barracks. Uh, Also, uh, since the army thought he already was a fuck up, which hypothetically he was because Mahar is now close. He went AWOL. He's a criminal. He would have been demoted if he had any rank. Uh, Not only did they not give him a chance to talk to a doctor, they accelerated his deployment to Vietnam (laughs) with... Only five days after showing up at Fort Dix, Mohar was standing on the tarmac of McGuire Air Force that Base. sucks. Given a pack of cigarettes by a sergeant and shoved up the ramp to a cargo plane.
0: You got a pack of cigarettes? Yep.
1: Nice. He probably could smoke on the plane at the time, too. Paul Mohar was sent to Vietnam without a single fucking day of training. My arm. Oh, but there's plates in it. <laughs> Have fun, Vietnam, yeah, dude. Good (laughs) luck, idiot. (laughs) Now, somehow, uh, to make all of this work, nobody had any idea where he was other than close. Mahar, thinking this plan would take only a couple days, never told his family where he was going. (laughs) Worse still, he never bothered to call close because he thought this little arm excuse would be foolproof. When he learned only, like, two days before he was going to go, like, oh, fuck, this isn't working, he decided to write a, a last-ditch letter to Close, uh, begging him to come forward and you know, be like, yo, you cannot send him. He has never fired a rifle before. Uh, Close received the letter and then did nothing.
0: Close <laughs> is a fucking dick.
1: I wonder if Close looked at him and went like, huh. Tra- I guarantee you that shit went to the trash can.
0: Bad friend Didn't get the
1: letter. Yeah. Uh, He he just doomed his friend to, like, a year plus in Vietnam and possibly dying.
0: Most likely dying without any fucking training. Yeah.
1: I mean, it turns out Mahar was apparently a natural-born soldier, but we'll get to that one. <laughs> Um, Well, he wrote a book, so. Now, you're probably wondering, like, yeah, and only the best soldiers write books. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that. Uh, You're probably wondering, like, what the fuck did Close do? Like... His whole family knew he had been drafted and he was going to Vietnam. He couldn't fucking stop talking about it. And now he's on his honeymoon. And there's no way he could be like, oh, yeah, I guess the army isn't sending me to Vietnam. That doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> so he just kind of like, and then you have to have an excuse like, oh, yeah, you remember Paul from down the street when we were kids? Got him to go to my place. <laughs> like, that's not going to fucking work. Uh, it, like, And now he's going to have to go look for a job because he doesn't have the fucking army to pay him anymore. He packed his bags, told his family he was going to Vietnam, and then moved down the street to Asbury Park, New Jersey. It's like two hours away. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then he worked the night shift at a donut shop using Mahara's yes. social security number. <laughs>
0: Did his <laughs> wife go with him? Yeah, his
1: wife was in on the whole thing. Oh, okay. His wife actually sent Mahara care packages the whole time. Well, that's nice. <laughs> under his own name. Because <laughs> remember, Close is in Vietnam. You're yeah. like, Close, why are you sending yourself a care package? <laughs> He was uh, assigned, so uh, Mahar, who is now close legally, uh, but also illegally, his whole thing is gray, uh, was uh, assigned to the 25th Infantry Division and put on a five-day orientation course, which is like something I'll consider like the left seat, right seat that we do now. Like, this is how how you'll patrol without getting killed immediately, and also, a lot of these guys, they had trained with the M14 rifle, they get sent to Vietnam, they get given an M16, uh, because it's a Vietnam-only weapon. Like, if you were stationed in Germany at the time, you'd get an M14. So they had to go through training how to use that, too. Uh, now, this would be the only training he ever got before he saw combat for the first time. Five days. <laughs> Still never having fired his rifle. Uh, he had never... He didn't know how to take it apart. He didn't know how... No need the, to. Yeah, Never need to clean it, remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he didn't know even the most basic soldier skills, which is, like, everybody's like, oh, huh, that's weird. <laughs> But but thankfully, instead of, like, casting him out like an outcast, they uh, people took pity on him and trained him. It's probably because, like, this fucking idiot's going to get me killed. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, it, it should come as no surprise to anybody that the NCO put in charge of them were very fucking unimpressed with him as a soldier. And there's probably a good reason for that, because he wasn't one. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... To his credit, like a professional fucking wrestler in the 1990s, he never broke his cover. He never fucking told it. He never ran to the first sergeant, like, I don't need to be here. (laughs) He just, like, well, I guess I need to learn this shit. Cause, like, he hit hit the gun. He's pretty practical about the whole thing. He's like, well, that didn't work. Now I need to learn as much as I can or I'm gonna fucking die. And the name
2: part for me would be the hardest. I'm close. Close. Yeah. (laughs) Close.
1: Now, the the important, this is important for him because even though soldiers were helping each other, it, it through what was probably the hardest point of any of their lives. They had to, like, he had to look really fucking dumb asking them how to do the most basic shit on earth and them actually teaching him is pretty impressive. Like, imagine you had a private go up to you at like a range, like, So this gun, how do I make it gun? And you're like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I've never done this before. Like, he didn't have, he's never fired a gun before in his entire life. He didn't even understand the, the, the basic concepts of marksmanship, nothing. He didn't know how to use a hand grenade. He didn't know how to like use half the gear he'd been issued. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, though his skills may have been non-existent, that did not mean Mahara was not equipped with a massive set of balls. Uh, only two weeks after arriving in Vietnam, um, his platoon was traveling by boat. Uh, like really shitty ramshackle boat. I think it was like a, one of the little sandpans that the Vietnamese used. Not used to having fully loaded soldiers in it. It, it overturned and dumped them all into the river. They were all carrying 40 to 70 pounds of gear. They sank like rocks. Uh, Mahar jumped right in and rescued several people and re- even saved a man's life with CPR. Nice. But because he was a private, they gave him an ARCOM, an Army Combination Medal. Which I wonder
2: is sh- if he knew CPR or he was just guessing.
1: I, um, I'm assuming I'm he, sure he didn't get learned. training on it. Yeah. I was just trying to make out with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's alive. He's good. He's awake. I'm. Re- I'm really into breaking people's ribs. Uh, it should be pointed out that an ARCOM is the same medal that I was awarded for helping set up an Orange County chopper show. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Mahar became fast friends with his new platoon mates. Uh, the, he found something that he had been lacking for most of his life. But um, well, he's like, a great kisser. Uh, he had structure. He had something to do every day. He also probably helped that he couldn't just get shit faced all the time and skip out of class. Uh, Also, hilariously, Mahar said he was able to get along with all these soldiers from various different walks of life, um, despite you know not being one because of his time as an alcoholic in a flop house in Pittsburgh. (laughs) Yeah, like that tracks. Because like most of the time, soldiers are really only one shade shade removed from being drunk and homeless people. (laughs) Uh, It's like that show Sixty Days In, where like a bunch of people get thrown into jail. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're, like, from the street. Uh, they have never, they're never. they not criminals. They just get thrown into, like, the worst fucking jails in America. And the only person that ever just, like, doesn't find a problem with any of it is, like, a veteran. Because I'm not trying to say, like, veterans are just better at things than some people. They Sure, maybe they're better at being incarcerated. Uh, <laughs> because, like, even in the best of times, your platoon's probably full of a drug addict, people's unmedicated mental illness, and gangbangers. So it's, like, <laughs>
0: I'm home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you are used to being incarcerated pretty much. Yeah,
1: you can nobody can lay around on their bed and do nothing for hours like a soldier. <laughs> uh, now, unfortunately for Mahar, the combat skills he had been taught secondhand by his platoon mates were going to become incredibly important. He was about to see some of the heaviest fighting of the entire war up to that point. Uh he's gonna be going to what is known as the Iron Triangle, the 120 square mile area that had never once been able to be taken controlled by any of Vietnam's invaders over the years. And there has been plenty. It's jungle Afghanistan, effectively. It was a place of so many tunnels, fortifications, and booby traps, it would have been impossible to count. Mahar was thrown into this death trap uh, as a part of Operation Attleboro, a massive operation that planned to swarm the area and force the VC to fight. You know that thing that always worked so well? They were literally just like, let's just keep throwing soldiers at them until they have to fight us. That seems like Solid. A real World War One energy there. Uh Mahar fought without any fucking training against thousands of North Vietnamese regulars who had a significantly more training than him. Over a uh, hundred Americans were killed in the operation, and over four hundred were wounded. He was not one of them. Uh Mahar, to his credit, not only did not get hurt, he did pretty goddamn well. He became known around his unit for being the best tunnel rat around. That sucks. Mostly, it had a lot to do with his short stature. He's like five foot four and 140 pounds. When
2: you're the best at it, obviously, yeah, you're alive, but uh, they keep going to you for it.
1: Yeah. Well, he kept volunteering. What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Uh, Mahar having accident. It's his time. It's 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 quiet. I mean, yeah, he's like, well, I'm not so good at being a soldier, but crawling through these tunnels. (laughs) Now, he had accidentally volunteered for an entire, entire war, so I guess he found no problem volunteering to crawl through miles of VC tunnels. Uh, armed with only a flashlight and a pistol. He does admit, though, he literally shit himself in fear the first time he actually ran into something in the tunnel. Uh, something was not a person, Is though. It was a shadow. It was a rooster. The VCs actually hid them in parts of the tunnel, uh, like strapping razors to their legs, like they're actually cockfighting. And so it would make loud noises to alert that somebody was coming and then attack them. Uh, That'd be
2: fucking terrifying. Oh, did
1: they put little uniforms on the rooster? (laughs) Yeah, they actually had to go to a a Ho Chi Minh political school first, too. Um, Now, Mahar leaves out if he shot the rooster or not, so I'm assuming they actually became friends, because not a single part of this makes any fucking sense anyway. Uh, Like, rooster, rooster, we're we're cool, we're cool, I'm not actually a soldier. Like, word? And they just...
0: Me neither. Yeah.
1: I got drafted. <laughs> I was supposed to fuck chickens at a farm. Uh, now after this, Mahar was promoted to sergeant. Uh, and, and he then extended his time in Vietnam. Now the reason for this was because uh, Mahar obviously accepted that the army was not going to let him go. So he might as well just get the uh, discharge as fast as possible. The army had a deal that if you were a draftee and you extended a couple months and stayed in Vietnam, you'd get a discharge as soon as you went home. Nice. So, uh, so that's what Mahar did. He did 406 days in Vietnam. Jesus. Yeah. Without a single day of training and got promoted above his peers <laughs> who were actually soldiers. <laughs> Once Mahar got home, he and Klaus hung out and got drunk. Not because they wanted to catch up. I mean, they, they kind of thought they were still friends, but because Klaus needed his help again. Now, remember, uh, all the shit that Mahara collected, his awards, his rank, his stories, were all close. Like, he was supposed to be Frank Close. Right. And Close needed to learn all these things so he could go home and tell his family, I'm back from
0: Vietnam!
1: <laughs> uh, so he did. He told Close all of his stories, gave him all of his awards. This is a friendship?
0: What a piece of shit. It,
1: oh, it gets better. Uh, Close, uh while uh, telling the story of how Mahar's close friend died in Vietnam, cried.
0: Gross. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. I don't like him. Yikes.
1: Now, Mahar stayed with Close and his wife for a week, uh, though it was pretty clear that their friendship was over. Now, uh, Close's wife actually seems to be the most reasonable person here, like effectively trying to nudge his hus- her husband into apologizing for all of this. Close I thought to she death, got though. confused on who was close. Yeah, she just decided to have a three-way.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, like, there was, she was like, no, you you almost got him killed.
0: Legally, he was her husband. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I get one.
1: <laughs> I'm still Frank. Uh, now, his wife's like, you could have saved him at literally any point and did nothing. <laughs> it's true. Uh, furthermore, Close actually began to dislike Mahar. Um, now we're, we're not entirely sure of the truth. This Close has never told his side of the story, but Mahara said, quote, I had taken his right of passage and his manhood and he resented me for it. You didn't take it. you It was given to you. Oh
0: yeah. He was like, here, have it.
1: After that week, they parted ways and they would never see each other again. I think Mahara was rightfully pissed. Uh, Close had been at home living the kind of normal life that anybody would have wanted.
2: Yeah, I'd love to work at a donut shop.
1: And enjoying his family while Mahar had been nearly getting killed for a year without any training. There's another problem Mahar was not close, but had served under his name. And as far as the government was concerned, nobody named Paul Mahar had ever joined the military. And he was certainly not a combat veteran. Not only did Mahar want to use the benefits he had rightly earned and Close was fucking using, he wanted recognition for his service. You know, he wanted to be recognized as a Vietnam veteran. He wanted his college money. He wanted VA care, which Close was using, by the way, the whole time.
0: Holy fuck.
1: Yeah. Whoops. Uh, And he really regretted getting a discharge when he did. Like a lot of people after serving overseas or being in the military, uh, when they get out, they don't really know what to do with themselves. He was bored and listless. um, And Mahar missed the army. Once back in the U.S., he attempted to reenlist under his real name and was rejected for the pin in his arm.
0: Holy shit! This is is fucking nuts.
1: So after that, he just kind of drifted across the country, picking up odd jobs, getting drunk, and being depressed. Because while Mahard may have not gotten any veteran benefits, he was going for the whole veteran experience. Um, He also got married twice with as many divorces and had a child. Uh, he was one racist coffee company away from being a vet bro. Like, to prove his status as a veteran, all he had to do was like, just look at my
0: life. I feel like he deserves to be a vet bro. Like, if anybody should be a fucking vet bro, it should be him.
1: Yeah, he's earned it. Yeah. <laughs> so in
0: 1981,
1: finally, he decided to attempt to contact the media to tell a story. So maybe the army would listen to him. And so far, they had ignored him completely. Like, he had sent letters like, hey, I mean, to be fair, the the DOD is probably going to get a ton of crazy letters. Uh, And they all went unanswered. So he decided to get some media attention to the story. He also sent countless letters to Close begging for him to go public with his side of the story. Each one went unanswered. As far as I could find, Close never said a fucking word to help his friend out or to tell his side of the story at all. Um, when Mahar told Close in 1988 that he was finally going public with their story, Close cut off all remaining contact with him and they hadn't spoken sense. And I'm not sure if Close is still alive. I couldn't find any record of him dying at any point. He very well could still be alive. Um, but he's not talking. Uh, after being interviewed by anybody who would listen and countless media appearances, the army promised they would look uh, into it at exactly the speed that you would expect them to. 10 years later in 1991. Oh my oh, god.
3: Wow. Yep.
1: While all this is going on, uh, Mahar made his rounds to hang out with his old buddies, who, after finally hearing his story, he finally broke his cover in 1991. They're like, holy shit, that's making a whole lot more sense now. But also, it probably made a whole lot of them feel like shit because, like, he got promoted to sergeant. <laughs> Which, like, I hope you feel real good about that when NCO's in the room. Uh, guy got promoted. Just by not dying, (laughs) solid. Uh, Finally, in 1993, the military recognized Paul Mahar as a veteran of the Vietnam War and awarded him the best prize in the world: his discharge papers. (laughs) Nice. Uh, The army. Now, the army actually had to base their uh, investigation on dental records and handwriting. Also, noting the fact that several of Mahar's army buddies, who knew him as Frank Close, definitely had pictures of them in Vietnam together. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that probably helped.
0: They didn't have Photoshop. <laughs> yeah.
1: In, in true army fashion, however, they couldn't just let this shit slide, saying that they were going to investigate to see if either one of them had broken the law, which close certainly had and never yeah. been prosecuted for. Uh, nothing ever happened, though. The army just couldn't be like, well, you got us. Like, <laughs> we're going to fuck these old people over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is embarrassing to me. Yeah. <laughs> I must fuck you now.
1: Uh, Now, as I said before, the two men grew to dislike one another and stopped speaking. Close refuses to talk to anybody uh, about the time any of this happened. Um, He could have just run to Canada like anybody else, but hey, whatever. He's also never once answered a journalist's request for comment. And even the army said he was completely unhelpful in their investigation, which literally the entire investigation could have been wrapped up in five seconds if he's like, yeah, I'm Frank Close. I did All not right, go to Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> uh it should be pointed out that Mahar never wanted to be seen as a victim and he didn't want close to get any trouble. He just wanted to, what was rightfully his at the end of the day. Like he never ended up using his education benefits um but he I mean to be fair he wouldn't have gotten them until 1990. Yeah. Uh but yeah, he just wanted like recognition. It's right. Like I almost fucking died, I earned it. Um. Uh, and he lived out the rest of his life in Idaho. Uh, he was died in September twenty first, two thousand four, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Is buried with full military honors. Close did not attend the funeral.
2: I, I kind of saw that coming.
1: Yeah, yeah. It would actually be kind of shittier if he did. Like, oh at, yeah, with the uniform on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I earned this <laughs> by fucking him over. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a. We don't normally have all three of us in the room, uh, for various reasons, but I thought it'd be interesting because one of us in the room does have a story about one of our family members lying to go to Vietnam and that's rich.
0: Um, why are you looking
2: at me like that? I'm just fucking interested.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. So my grand, my granddad, um, he's kind of a mystery to our family and has passed away. So we don't, can't really ask him about a lot of it. Um, and I don't think that he would tell us if we did, because I think that, uh, People used to ask him about his time in the military and things like that, but he never would talk about it. Um,
1: it's pretty pretty common.
0: Yeah. But apparently, he ran away from home. He was adopted. We do know that. Uh, my grandmother, who was married to him for over 50 years, never, I think, met his, one of his sisters one time, um, but never met any of his family. Um, but he apparently ran away from home when he was 15 and joined the Army. And the only reason we know that he joined the army at 15 is because when he was of the age that he was supposed to have filed for Social Security, he didn't qualify. He was not old enough to file <laughs> for Social Security. So my grandma never even knew until that's a
1: real hard one to explain. Yeah. Also, like props to keeping the story straight for fucking 80 <laughs> years or however long. The last he year.
0: was. I mean, he was a very, very smart man, but he w- He was quiet and only talked when he wanted to talk and about what he wanted to talk about. So
1: I feel like I would have liked him. Solid. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, he was like special forces and shit. So, you know, he did some shit, Yeah, but, but he never talked about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, my, I mean, I never had anybody in my family dodge the draft. I am aware of, I don't think my dad was old enough, um, but my grandpa, I have no idea who he was in, in reality. Cause he joined the French foreign Legion and picked the name uh, and I've had it explained to me that you could possibly keep your last name, change your first name, or change both of them. But his first name definitely is not Jacques. Uh, I have no idea why anybody picked the last name Cassabian if it was not Thurs, unless it's a, like a differentiation in the spelling. But he's not from France, because when I was stationed in Germany, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go visit some of our family that you say is in France. He's like, no, don't go there. <laughs> oh. So like, there's definitely no Cassabians there. Uh, (laughs) also he definitely had some prison tattoos uh no that could have been like really shitty french foreign legionnaire work or like he ran away from armenia for a very good reason because it was the soviet union at the time he didn't want to die uh and uh, my grandma sarah in her later life when she was starting to lose her faculties didn't keep up the lie she was uh, a serbian immigrant to france and that's where they met and uh Said, like, I don't know why you picked Jacques. I hate that fucking name. And he's like, Shut up, Sarah. <laughs> 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 I was like, Huh. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> Go on. But yeah. So, like, uh, I, I don't know where he's from. Like, fuck, I could. Uh, maybe I'm not even Armenian. I certainly look it. But uh, maybe. You have that he's from,
2: Armenian glow.
1: <laughs> I mean, not maybe he's all. from somewhere else in the Soviet Union.
2: i I don't
1: know. <laughs> uh, that's our episode. Uh, so if Frank Close is still alive, fuck you. You're kind of a douche. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're like... Fuck
0: you. <laughs> Your worst fucking friend ever. Dude. If that's an award. It's <laughs> like
1: I don't know if we've ever given out the like, dude, a- <laughs> award. I don't know if it's an award we have. We can make we it one. we we'd give it to him. Yeah. It's it's like a picture of a guy squinting and looking sideways at you. Like, dude. <laughs> that's it. That's our new award uh attention orders uh frank was dude <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's all good and like a slight head shake uh but thank you uh for joining me uh the whole the whole crew in the house today uh thank you for supporting the show uh you make everything we do possible you help us buy books you help us pay for recording equipment that we now actually have to pay for uh you watch movies you help us pay for really really bad movies uh that we then inflict upon you in the form of bonus episodes (laughs) uh there has been some interest in doing like a mystery science theater type shit like you have been talking about for a long time nick where we just watch it and record it in real time uh and we have to try to figure out the legalities behind that because i'm pretty sure having a movie in the background of something that we're not paying them for right, right, right. some form of piracy, right? It's not the first time I pirate literally every intro to every episode and SoundCloud hasn't caught on. So I think we might be good. <laughs> We're going to try it. Uh, but way it, to announce it.
0: Yeah. Way to tell them. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I've done it before. I've stolen so many it's songs. It's also like, though. it's the intro. I'm only stealing like five seconds of yeah. it and I'm not stealing. I'm redistributing it to the masses. You motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, but if you don't want to give money to us, that's fine. Our show will always be free and ad-free. Uh, We're free. So, uh, y'all, we do something on the show called A Question from the Legion. And we got some questions today. Now, uh, if you want to ask us a question from the Legion, you can donate a dollar to us on Patreon, and you can send it to us via Patreon message or through the Discord, uh, which we actually normally use the Discord because it's way faster. And who communicates to Patreon? That shit sucks. <laughs> Uh, now, what was the dumbest thing that you've ever been ordered to do in the military? Hmm. God damn, that one has layers. Huh, onions. I think, uh, uh, so I speak Nick. He means because onions have layers.
0: Yes, I got that. Like Shrek. Yeah. (laughs) Shrek
1: has layers. Why are you skinning Shrek. Uh, he th- literally
2: says it in the movie. He
0: has layers, Joe. <laughs> uh
1: we
2: should watch the movie now.
1: I think uh, the dumbest thing I was probably ordered to do off the top of my head, and I can I'll probably think of something dumber as soon as we stop recording, um was when we were in Afghanistan, and Rich is familiar with this story. When we were in Afghanistan, people kept shit talking a talk officer or a talk NCO <laughs> in the porta-potties. Uh <laughs> like writing like you know, saying the normal horrible Things I'm not going to, I won't even repeat on air cause they're told, I'll get canceled for it. Uh, saying terrible things about this one particular asshole who works in the talk. Uh, so and he was a staff sergeant, so he had some poll and it was a very low ranking outpost for the most part. I think like the highest ranking person there was like an E seven. And I think some shit was said about him as well. Um, so he posted an armed guard outside of the Porter bodies. Now this is the same time that we're running night missions. We're manning the towers, We're training Afghan police officers. We hardly have time to sleep. Uh, So now we have to guard these porta potties. And we have to search people before they go in and take their pens away. And then when they leave, (laughs) when they leave the porta potties, you have to inspect them to make sure there's no new dicks or whatever drawn up there.
0: (laughs) I want to just add to this story and say that at this point, we had been in in Afghanistan for probably about three months. And during those three months... There were plenty of drawings of all of the females just getting railed. So many comments about the females. Oh yeah, doing yeah. this and doing that and sucking this dick and sucking that and all of that shit. It wasn't until this particular staff sergeant got featured in there the was- porta potty that we had to post Fe- armed
1: <laughs> guards. <Yeah. laughs> there was there was even like. Stuff about the, the CEO and the first sergeant, they're like, yeah, whatever soldiers are going to do that. <laughs> they're like, ah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't look like that. Uh, it, make, it made me really happy that I kidnapped and murdered that guy's goats and, and then I ate them. <laughs> same guy. Oh, N- Nick, man. you've got some doozies.
2: One of them was in this, basically the same unit. Was, uh, one of the first sergeants found a can in the trash can and on the recycled trash can. So he had an uh, armed guard as well, full battle rattle. <laughs> Outside of the CQ desk,
1: this is like the Dwight Schrute Earth Day. Uh, <laughs> Re- what was his name?
0: Re- <laughs> Recyclops. Recyclops.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it was a fat first sergeant, fucking
0: asshole.
1: You need to guard a recycler. Yeah, it was
2: basically the sis- your sister company.
1: Do you like it, in, uh, it like present arms? Yep, that's a recyclable. Go ahead. <laughs> Hold up. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> you know, this doesn't have a return on it. That's trash. Uh, you know, I think honestly, I don't know how many of our listeners are civilians. And I don't, I don't know where our civil military divide split is in our in our audience numbers. But the people who are not um, familiar with the military would be shocked about just how much time soldiers uh, uh, waste doing things like that. That's not the first bathroom I've had to guard.
3: Oh, I've
1: I like- had to, I had to go through a trash can in the motor pool in that same unit. No, so I, I say trash can. I mean dumpster. Mm-hmm. Because someone threw away a non-recyclable thing in there. Or uh, either or. I forget which one. And we had to climb through it and that find ATC's. things. Yeah. We were ordered, was awful.
0: Yeah. We were ordered to get into the dumpster at the defect in cook whites.
1: Um, <laughs> it probably wasn't so white anymore.
0: <laughs> the dumpster was full of food and liquids.
1: Oh, trash water. Yeah. It's the worst. Possible.
0: Um. Yeah, <laughs> I I refuse that order. How much money would
1: it
2: take for you to take a, I don't know, a saltine cracker and dip it in there?
1: Uh, 500? No. I'm going to need at least 1,000.
2: I'll double
0: dip for 1,000. I don't even know. I, don't, I, don't, I would double dip for 1,000. I don't think I would. Nick, your I'm price
1: a... just keeps getting lower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Have good at negotiating. <laughs> <spec laughs> Fish take rocks, I'll do it for. <laughs> <laughs> we use this as currency at JRTC. So... Thank you, uh person i I w I'll I'll never ask I'll never say their name on air. I don't want to shame them like that for asking this question. If if you want to ask us, donate a buck. Uh and then immediately cancel it so you can ask your question for a dollar. Nice. I'm just helping out. Uh like I said, our show will always be free. Uh but if you if, if you think what we do is worth a dollar, you can throw it to us on Patreon. Thank you, everybody, for listening to poor paul mahar's story uh thank you too for joining me uh, It's not often we get the whole gang together in, in in the recording studio anymore uh and until next time, dude. <laughs> <laughs>